Welcome to NodeUp. We're going to be talking about the Node.js 2016 user survey today in what I believe will be NodeUp number 101. The digits 101 constitute a palindrome, so I've been spending the last five minutes or so trying to make the, the episode's title a palindrome. But here's the thing about palindromes. Coming up with a good one that uses Node.js user survey is not quite impossible, but it's at least really difficult. It's some real next level stuff that I'm just not up to apparently. So instead I did an anagram, which is much easier because you just type the words into a web page and it tells you what the anagram is. So some choice anagrams for Node.js user survey are unused servers, joy, and also run us deserves joy. There's a lot of joy in those <laughs> anagrams. <laughs> oh, joy let's comes go with up that last one, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Run us deserves joy, I kind of like it too. There's a lot of joy in these anagrams because what else are you going to do with a J and Node.js? Anyway, right. the I'm saddest playing. thing about, about this long rambling intro, by the way, is that this probably won't actually be NodeUp 101 because like like 10 minutes ago, Node.js 6.0 dropped. And we're probably going to have to do a Node.js 6 show. And maybe that'll be Node.js 101 and this will be 102. So that's really, really sad. So here to take away our sadness and introduce herself and relieve us of this oppressive sadness is Tracy Hines. Hi. Yeah, so I am the Education Community Manager for Node Foundation, uh, and I'm excited to be here. Thanks for coming. Dan Shaw is also here. He's possibly a co-host today, maybe a guest. We haven't figured it out. This is a spontaneous <laughs> by-the-seat-of-our-pants affair. Dan, can you give us a spontaneous by-the-seat-of-your-pants introduction? Yeah, hi. Uh, D. Shaw, you know, sometimes host of this thing, trying to keep my mouth shut uh, a little bit so we can uh, have uh, coherent hosting. I'm the CTO and co-founder of NodeSource, the enterprise Node.js company, and real excited to, to have this data out there and really see the, the state and growth of Node.js. And last but not least, Michael Rogers, also sometimes host of this thing, but today here representing, well, I'll let him tell us. Oh, I haven't hosted in a long time. We're, we're, we're talking old school hosts. <laughs> we're getting back that ten, far. Ten years. You, host, you hosted one at the <laughs> end of experience. last year. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, oh, he's, yeah my right. he's my guest. Here's my guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, gra I've graduated to guest status is what happened. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, here, also from the Note Foundation. Glad to be back on. Welcome back. I'm your host, Rich Trott. I fight the good fight. I lay it on the line. I follow my heart and all the other titles of Triumph songs from the 1980s. For our listeners, or perhaps just listener, who is a hyper fan of 1980s Canadian power trios, don't bother writing an angry letter because I realize that lay it on the line is from 1979 and not the 1980s. Today's show is sponsored by And Yet and DigitalOcean. So let's talk about the Node.js user survey. It was primarily designed to determine whether people prefer the Demi Lovato version of Let It Go or the Adina Menzel version. And like all good-hearted people, I prefer the Adina Menzel version. Michael, why don't you start us off by explaining why the Node.js Foundation is so keenly interested in Disney song preferences and what's the purpose of the survey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right. That wasn't in the, the, the briefing doc, by the way. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find on our infographic where we mentioned that. <laughs> All right, so the, the purpose of the survey is to try to dig into what people are doing with Node, trying to find some correlations between different users, and really getting into a really granular level, why people use Node, what people are doing with it, what they want to see, that you can't just get from, from metrics alone, right? So we, we actually have a lot of really good metrics, maybe better metrics than any other language or platform from the Node Foundation. 
we put together the survey, and a lot of the questions were not just about kind of what people are doing with Node, but also insights into those people so that we could quantify what sections of the community we were getting with the survey, right? So we have we have really good metrics on, you know, where users are and how many, you know, years of experience they probably have based on our growth rate and da-da-da. So we were able to kind of, you know, chop up what the biases of the survey were and were not. So for instance, like some of the limitations of the survey is that, you know, we don't know what a lot of people are doing with Node who barely engage in Node, who just use it a little bit. We don't, we don't know a lot about what brand new users are doing, right? Because brand new users are not the kind of people that find out about a survey and then take it for 15 minutes. So we know that we're not getting necessarily those people, but we do have a, a pretty good idea of, you know, what more highly engaged users are doing, users with more experience, and especially users in the enterprise are doing. What are the key findings of the survey? First, we, we saw that Node is very definitely getting adopted a lot in enterprise. So we're seeing a lot of trends in Node and in the user survey that we're seeing generally in the enterprise. So about 45% of all the respondents were using containers, for instance. Containers are really taking off in enterprise. We, we're also seeing that one of the big draws of Node is that it's much more of a universal skill set. So you can use it for front-end and back-end development. And about 62% of the respondents were using Node for both front-end and back-end. And about 10% of them were actually doing front-end, back-end, and IoT development all in Node.js. So we're seeing that you know not only are people using Node for a variety of things, but one of the kind of key draws of Node is that once you start doing one thing with it, you can easily do another. So. That was really interesting. And also, our V4 release, the, the LTS release that the foundation has been really pushing, really taking off in, with enterprises. The, the LTS and long-term support schedule is definitely doing really well there. So you know, more than 45% of enterprise users are already on the LTS release, and 80% of the people that weren't plan to upgrade you know, within like six months. So that's a pretty good adoption rate for you know, big enterprises. It takes them quite a while to, to turn over. And we were kind of worried about the LTS messaging because it was something kind of new. And what, what we got out of the survey was that they're actually you know, quite comfortable with it. So. Yeah, I was really, frankly, kind of surprised by the LTS adoption numbers and very pleased. I don't know if it was a surprise to you or anyone else at the foundation or if that was basically in line with what you were expecting. Well, I mean, so we have metrics that say, you know, it's, it's overtaken every other release, right? So we knew that. But it was nice to see that it's actually taking off in, you know, the enterprise portion, which traditionally takes quite a bit longer to, to do these kinds of updates. Yeah, and th- and this represents also you know mindshare and what, what people think or are planning on running, you know, above and beyond what the numbers tell us, right? So what they they expect to be doing. So that's exciting to see that that you know, that correlates with with the data. I had some interesting thing to add to you know, learn universal language. With a lot of enterprise adoption, the interesting thing about the universal language is adoption in many cases is coming from the front end. The amount of front end development across platforms is increasing intensely and that is drawing forward a lot more Node.js platform choices because there's such a big investment that, that needs to be made in these growing front-end teams. And there's an obvious correlation. Okay, the, the, this front-end team needs their edge data structures. They need better, more accessible data. And you know, Node.js is a, a natural fit for that. So it's really getting pulled, in many cases, in instance where you know, there's a Perl shop or you know, Java shop or you know, this, that, and the other technology that, that teams are finding a hard 
harder time getting the, the level of talent whether they're they're looking for and they're finding that level of talent in in the you know the growing javascript teams and they're able to, to leverage that across front end back end and, and now internet connected devices that's been really cool yeah that's a really exciting kind of development and we're going to talk more about that i think later on are there any other key findings we want to uh discuss tracy or anybody else Again, in the enterprise, you know, the number 45%, you know, or whatever, 40 percentage of uh, using containers, that maps to, you know, those who are there or close to there right now. But, you know, behind that, I would say twice that or maybe, you know, even higher are, you know, at some stage of evaluating putting things into containers. So there's a strong draw, not just, you know, at, at that level, but to really far beyond. 40%. And I think for me, what was really interesting with, with the survey results was especially in a lot of the, the comments that we were getting around the experience of learning nodes so far. I mean, that definitely, I took that to heart yeah. uh, in terms of how we've spread out resources or like what's available to people currently, how we've got a lot of great writings on it, but we don't have these sort of end-to-end ways for people to be able to pick up and, and help their own team in medium and large size companies build out using Node. Yeah, we're gonna um, try to talk a little bit more a little later on about training and education. Right now though, I think I need a break because OMG, I am so over caffeinated. So we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. And yet, we're very inspired by the dreamers. But for certain people, the skills necessary to do portions of their app or product development dream don't come naturally or at all. And that's where we can come in and help out. We've got folks specializing in design, ops, architecture, security, web, mobile, front-end, back-end, admin, project management, you name it. We are builders of things. It doesn't matter where at in the process. We make things for technologists, and we're very good at building things for others. We've loved helping build apps and tools with folks at AT AT&T, the Creative Artists Agency, the Flatiron School, and Major League Soccer, to name a few. Reach out at contact at andyet.com or visit us at andyet.com for more info or just to say hi. From dream to deploy, we're here to help. And yet, the kind and efficient sort of perfectionists. All right, is everybody ready for part two? Let it go, let it go. (laughs) I feel like we're all going to have to chime in at some point with that. Welcome back to Node Up. So Michael recently gave a talk at Node Live Paris called Node.js Everywhere. And I saw a video of it online and I thought it was a really great summary of the promise of Node.js, what it's delivered so far and what it, what it promises to bring us in the future. We'll be sure to include a link in the show notes to Michael's talk. But Michael, do you want to provide a summary? Sure, sure. And this is pretty related to the survey as well. So I think before the survey, the the way that the foundation tended to approach promoting Node and talking about Node was to look at different verticals, right? So you've got people doing IoT, and you've got people doing front end, and you've got people doing back end. And you can really break it down into, you know, what do people need out of Node and, and what makes Node competitive in each one of these kinds of verticals. 
What we got from the survey was that there's just such a strong correlation between people using Node across disciplines, and these don't necessarily compete with each other. They're actually self-reinforcing. You know, the more people that do Node on IoT, the more people that actually end up using Node in containers on backends, right? Because it, it's just it just keeps fulfilling itself. So we really started to look at okay, what what is really unique about Node? Node is like a, a great thing to use to now make a desktop app, to make a mobile app, to make a tablet app, to make a you know, a, a web front end, a back end, a cloud service API to put on an IoT device. It's good at all of these things. You know, what is tying them all together and why is that kind of important? So we started working on this thing called Node Everywhere and this idea of a new full stack. So the full stack is really just whatever the, the stack of outputs are that a developer needs to contend with. And different developers have to contend with a different number of these. But, you know, people are still using desktop applications. That's a thing. Mobile is still really important as well. We can't, like, forget about mobile just because IoT is happening. Um, and, of course, we're adding IoT into this as well. And Node is really the only viable universal platform that can touch all of these areas. Areas because we're because we're the only thing on the fr- that works on the front end web now, and we're, and we're dramatically kind of changing the way that people do front end web development now as well with things like you know React and other tools. So we've been talking more about kind of you know why Node is very competitive in each of these verticals, but also just that the story of Node is really about being good at all of these things and tying them all together and giving people the universal skill set that can work across all of these different compute environments. And as Node kind of lowers the barrier to entry for development kind of amateurizes development the way that the web amateurized application development, we're going to make all of these compute environments much more accessible to people. You know, the, the number of people that can now participate in developing things for IoT is much higher. Developing desktop applications is much higher because Node and web technologies are so much easier to use. I guess this is probably a question for Tracy, but how, how does the sort of universal cross-vertical nature of Node.js affect things like education, evangelism, training, adoption, Learning, burning, yearning, ferning, which is growing ferns indoors. I just made that up, and everything else. Uh, well, it makes it's definitely a challenge when it comes to figuring out how people can learn to be a better or more competent node engineer. It depends on what they want to do, and so we have to we have to look at how we can sort of establish what you know what that node engineer looks like from like a core perspective of like what are these things that you'll need in order to even understand what you're walking into versus really being able to specialize in that vertical. That's a fun challenge for me moving forward. <laughs> Just trying to figure out how to do that from like training or workshops perspective, but also from the possibility of a certification. You know, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about the certification angle. Even though it's a challenge, might it also be a benefit in that it helps because the different verticals kind of reinforce each other? If you learn Node over here, it's you know, you may not realize you already know a bunch of Node that's relevant to the server, even though you've never done Node on the server, that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's going to help us be able to see um, even more so what the strengths are so that we can, you know, be working on that and, and helping each other with, I think, better documentation of, of what we're doing in each of those. Yeah, I, I think the, the big challenge that Tracy has is just finding educational materials that appeal to different kinds of developers, right? Not necessarily like between, you know, a front-end developer and an IT developer, but somebody who learns just by Googling things and banging stuff out versus somebody who needs like a formal book or documentation or a traditional certification program. Like there are developers that respond to different kinds of materials and part of Node being everywhere is, is actually having a good story around all of that. Dan, how about in the enterprise? How does the sort of universal cross-vertical blah, blah, blah of Node 
effect node in the enterprise, you know, if it, if it in fact does at all. It's interesting to see a lot of the, the patterns that Node.js developers are using in the enterprise coming from practices they're learning in part of the key findings was mean stack still really, really big, still really relevant. In practice, what that means on the ground is that the patterns and coding approaches in Angular 2 are being rapidly adopted in backend development. So that means promises all over the place. That means concepts like zones and dependency injection are probably more prevalent than you would expect in you know, just a purest Node.js environment, someone that's been, been doing mostly Node.js for several years and not much front-end. And oh my goodness, Babel. Babel is everywhere and it's such a, uh, a crazy thirst for going to the very edge of the spec. One of the biggest things that, that we have been, been working with folks to, to really get that understanding of like what is really in the JavaScript spec and what is, you know, exciting ex exploration that's, you know, probably going to have an end game, you know, similar to CoffeeScript because it's not part of the JavaScript spec. And, and now, you know, CoffeeScript's trending down and, and, you know, ES6 and, you know, native language is trending way, way up. It's, it's incredible to see the, the, the level of adoption of ES6 features. Yeah, so we, I mean, we've uh, the foundation has been doing these new enterprise conversations. You can see them on YouTube, and we've done one with Capital One and with GoDaddy, and we're hearing the same story over and over again, which is that you know in enterprises they still have people that only do backend and people that only do frontend, but now the the team encompasses frontend and backend, and they have people you know moving between frontend and backend far more often than they used to before, and just the level of communication and back and forth and everything just gets more efficient as Node comes into these. In enterprises oh my gosh we have two sponsors today and we've only heard from one so let's take a short break to hear from the second sponsor and we'll be right back DigitalOcean is the best place to get your application off the ground quickly and the easiest to scale when you find success start with the pre-configured node.js one click to get up and running in 55 seconds or build the exact infrastructure you need with root access to servers running 100% ssds and state-of-the-art data centers around the world Scale your infrastructure using advanced features like floating IPs for high availability, private networking, and API access for automated deployments. DigitalOcean is the fastest growing cloud infrastructure provider because it's built for developers, and laser focused on its mission to create simple and elegant solutions for developers and teams. Visit digitalocean.com and use the promo code NOTEUP on the billing page for a $10 credit to get started today. Let it go, let it go. Here I stand, right here now. Something didn't need it anyway. How many times have you had to listen to that song, Dan? Not as many as other parents. I, I've, I've, <laughs> so, I've never seen the movie. I dodged right. that bullet, yeah. Welcome back to NodeUp. So one thing that came out of the survey was a lot of stuff about IoT. And I know that Dan is a NodeBots kind of guy who might have something to say about this. So Dan, talk to us about Node.js IoT and the survey results. Thanks, Rich, for putting me on the spot. Okay, um, <laughs> okay, okay so, hang on. Hang on, let's, let's, let's have a do-over, ready? We're gonna rewind. 
Okay, welcome back. Let's talk about the Enterprise. What does the survey tell us about the Enterprise? President Future's suggesting the Enterprise. The shocker, folks, but I'm going to start with Dan Shaw, whose company, NodeSource, specializes in Node.js and the Enterprise. Take it away, Dan, and don't mess it up. Thank you, Rich. Well, I'm glad I have the time to bloviate here today and talk about the enterprise. The IoT is actually really important for the enterprise, and a lot of the, the rich experiences that folks are exploring and building with Node, building with JavaScript, are also extending into the rest of our lives, and connected devices are an, an incredibly important part of that. With my background in, in NodeBots and Harbor Hacking, that's a interesting vehicle avenue for the platform at the device that level, at the edge device level. But from my experience with enterprise users, enterprise customers, one of the most salient points for enterprise use of IoT is actually Node.js as the receiving end of all of that constant flood of data and just being the the flexible ingest point with all of these signals from across the world coming in and being able to, to aggregate that, being able to, to really have a, a coherent story that is able to rapidly iterate and, and evolve with the, need, the growing needs of the platform, but maintain a low operational profile and the backward compatibility. You know, a lot of the APIs that you roll out when you're, when you're talking about internet-connected devices at their edge can never change, right? You know, the nice thing is that good Node.js system is essentially proxies all the way down. So you can have an edge thing that shapes the old API, you know, returns the, the data like, like that system that you deployed. And it's fast forward 10 years in the future, you know, what year, 2026 <coughs> uh, math. And the devices that we deploy today, 10 years from now, you can still interact with that. And maybe the, the underlying API will have evolved, you know, one, you know, five, ten times over the life cycle of that, but the edge has to remain constant. Thank you, Enterprise Deshaw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, of course, don't mean to disparage Enterprise because holy moly is an important component of the Node.js story. <laughs> but back to IoT, who wants to interrupt me to say something else meaningful about it? Someone? Someone? Well, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, cool. I'll say something. So I was, I was talking about this earlier on Twitter, actually, and since day one of Node, Ryan Dahl used to say that performance is a feature and that it's kind of a core feature. And so performance and efficiency have always been, you know, at the core of Node.js. You know, every release has gotten basically faster and, you know, been, you know, been able to do more operations in less memory. And this has really paid huge dividends kind of everywhere because since Node was created, all of the compute environments that we need to run in have been getting more constrained. You know, computers are still getting faster, but we're cutting them up more. First, first with virtualization and now with containers. So the, the actual slice that you have to run your program in is just getting smaller and smaller. And this is also what IoT looks like. IoT is an incredibly resource constrained and running on very, very low power. And, you know, we've, we've had Nodebots and we've had like an amazing hobbyist community around Node for a long time. But over the last year, things have really shifted. And now we're starting to see much more serious IoT. The Intel, Galileo, and Edison both have I, Node running on device. For, you know, all of these other platforms that are coming out, like Samsung's JerryScript thing and, you know, Tesla 2, they're, they're even in, on very low power. They're running Node on device now. 
And along with that, we've seen the Node experience and, and the look of a Node developer doing IoT has also changed. So one of the things that we found in the survey, for instance, was that people doing IoT tended to have significantly more development experience than, than people without. And they tended to be you know, people that also still do, you know, some C and C++ programming. So these these aren't, you know, like the, the random hacker hobbyists at a node copter, you know, putting together some really cool stuff. A lot of them are actually, you know, building products in IoT now. If you look at the spectrum, Dishaw, step it in, do a little hosted. <laughs> uh, so if you look at, this, and look at the spectrum from, you know, front end to back end to devices, the, the whole new class of, of Node.js developers that are coming in and building these experiences for connected devices and IoT. How do you connect the dots in helping those individuals learn the entire spectrum of Node.js and, and JavaScript? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I, He's a pro. Yeah. <laughs> excellent work. You know, I think it's a combination of trying to make sure that we've got Bases covered with how a person can transition over to Node or start as a new programmer. But then we have to move beyond that. So I think the notion of, of working on the base competency training or education and then helping leverage the awesome ecosystem that we have currently with educators both in the, the for-profit and nonprofit sector. You know, we've got these, these really amazing resources. We need to be able to point people to them. Discoverability, I think, can be as difficult a problem in Node as any challenge that we're facing. So I really, I, I'm looking forward to being able to, there's, there's so many opportunities for us to be able to point more advanced programmers to training opportunities, because you know we've got we've got a lot of people itching to 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 write Node full time and to be writing more Node in their workplace and in enterprise and we have to be able to support them as much as the new programmers. We have so many opportunities for that. We've come to the part of the program where we're going to do some plugs, and here's mine. I had a dream that Run the Jewels recorded with Frank Sinatra and the Nelson Riddle Orchestra, and there was a benefit single for the Node.js Foundation. And I don't know what this dream means, but I have to tell you, sometimes my dreams rule. And <laughs> this is a really amazing one. So I'm going to give my a shout out. Uh, I'm going to give my dreams a shout out as a plug. So my dreams, you're pretty cool sometimes. Tracy, what do you have to plug? Yeah, so I had the, um, the awesome opportunity at No Live Paris to be able to help Ashley Williams out with a Node Together workshop. And that's where... We get a small group in the classroom to help them learn from zero node knowledge prior to being able to glue together the bits of an app by the end of the day. And it brings together a really diverse group of people. And I'm going to be helping Ashley mentor again in Beijing. We're coming to London as well. It's going to be following along with all of our Node Live events. And I think that it's a really incredible opportunity. I think people should reach out to Ashley and, and see how they can help support the Node Together effort. D. Shaw, I know you have a plug. Ooh. All right. So, Worky Plug, if you're ready to take your Node.js investment to the next level, uh, if you're looking for sanity check, whether it's on a prototype or whether you're going to do limited release or, or uh, large-scale production deployment, NodeSource has a program called Archival, Architectural Evaluation, where we, we come in for a week and make sure that you're, you're, you're ready to go and you have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted 
and you're ready to release the world. So head to nordsource.com for more information, and you can actually just search Archival in Google, and it's the first thing. It was cool. Cool. And Michael? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to plug, I think, maybe my favorite new project that I've heard about in the last few months. If you've been following Node School, like you know that you, know, you can build out material and, and run workshops and have a lot of people doing great stuff learning, whether it's Node School or Node Together. But there's this, this thing where you, if you want to have like kind of certification programs, if you want to have a cert that employers know that somebody took, you basically have to have somebody take a test and have somebody watch them either in person or on Skype or whatever. You have to know that this particular person did that work. And there's a couple of problems with that. One is that it can be very expensive to administer. And two, people that are retraining and coming from other backgrounds can't really take off enough time to dedicate to do something like that. That's why so many of the, the online course material is, is stuff that people can pick up and then leave and pick up again. So there's this amazing new project called Free Code Camp. And basically, if you want to learn kind of JavaScript full the stack development, or if you're a nonprofit and you have some web work that you need done, you go and sign up here. And basically, you, you, know, you learn all of the stuff and you make it through the materials. But the way that they test you is that they actually break up all of this stuff from these nonprofits of real work that they need done. And they give you these assignments and then you actually do the work. And so you know, people from all these different backgrounds and ostensibly for free can do all this work. And then now the nonprofits get work. And I, I think actually the, the work that the nonprofits are, are asking to be done is even being broken into little projects by people getting a certification in like agile project management. So it's just, this ama- <laughs> it's just like, it's an amazing mesh of like supply and demand uh, wow. around uh, education and, and certification. So that was just, it's like just really brilliant. And they're, they're definitely teaching a lot of great node schools as well. So I would go check that out. And yeah, and then I, you know, I have to plug the, the node interactive for sure. Node.js Interactive is the foundation's big event. We're doing one in Europe and one in the U.S. this year. And it's going to be very big, lots of great talks, great content. We're also going to be having, you know, like a collaborator summit and a code and learn. So, you know, if you're engaged in, in the core project at all, you'll come to that as well. And we really do expect it to be kind of like the, the tentpole event for the Node ecosystem and for the core project for a lot of people to be getting together. So come, come check it out. Cool, and we'll be talking about that in a little bit when I run down the list of upcoming events. I want to thank our guests today. They are Tracy Hines. Yeah, thanks. Dee Shaw, Dan Shaw. Woo! Let it go, let it go. (laughs) Oh, is that Dee Shaw or is that Queen Elsa? Anyway, our last (laughs) guest, Michael Rogers. (laughs) Hey, yeah. Also, Jordan Muir has been editing the crud out of this and making us sound good, so everybody give a woohoo for Jordan. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. Yeah. Although it'd be really funny if he just left it all like it was. <laughs> <laughs> and made us sound like a bunch of idiots. That'd be awesome. It, um, okay, so upcoming events. Oh, by the way, all these events are in the show notes. And if you're listening to this in like 2017, these are all 2016 events, so they don't apply to you. NodeConf London on May 11th, Enterprise JS in Austin on May 17th, Empire JS in New York City on May 26th and 27th, NodeConf Oslo will be June 4th, NodeConf Adventure Walker Creek Ranch California will be June 9th through 12th. The last NodeConf that I'm doing, so come on out. <laughs> let it go, let it go. <laughs> Can somebody <laughs> <see> show? <laughs> Dinosaur JS, Denver, Colorado, June 24th. Cascadia Fest, July 8th through 10th. 
in Washington State and the resort whose name I can't remember or pronounce. Well, I can probably pronounce it if I see it. Sumiyamu. Um, no, there Those you are go. last. That oh. looks like last year's date. Sorry. That's, oh, wrong uh, dates. Sorry. Yeah, in go August this year. Oh, it's in August this year. Go to CascadiaJS.com to figure it out. Sorry for the bad info, everybody. OS and Fields, open source and Fields, July 22nd and 23rd in Seattle. JS Conf Iceland, August 25th and 26th in Reykjavik. Ah, let's see here. No, sorry, just had to, you know, makes me feel so good to see Iceland on the list. NodeConf Interactive EU will be in Amsterdam in, on September 15th and 16th. And NodeConf Interactive North America will be in Austin, Texas on November 29th and 30th. Important note, the call for papers for Node Interactive in Europe is May 13th. So watch that date. Yes, okay, okay. call for papers. NodeConf Europe closes on May 13th. So hurry, get your proposal in if you want to talk at NodeConf Interactive EU in Amsterdam in September. Andrew. Also, good talk. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Join us in Amsterdam. Right. All right. Follow NodeUp on Twitter. Sponsor NodeUp. Email nodeup at gmail.com for more info. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't give Michael a hard time yet about when are we going to get the 2017 uh, user survey and, and how do we get reproducible business value out of this? Well, I, I imagine that we'll do the 2017 <laughs> survey in 2017. <laughs> Can we expect it at the same time? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. We haven't decided that yet. That's that's a ways out. I got today problems to deal with. That's more. <laughs> <laughs> we have so All much right. synthesizing to do before 2017. <laughs>